0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena.
1: And I'm Manas, the daughter of Persephone. Today, we're recapping and discussing episode four of the Percy Jackson Disney Plus show.
0: Well, this episode is uh, extra fun for a couple of reasons. So this will come out according to our our release schedule. It'll come out a day before our three-year podcast birthday. So I know we talked about this. Our podcast, I guess, is confirmed to Capricorn based on its release birthday. Um, And so to celebrate that, we were like, we should have a guest on. And it just so happened that um, you all might be quite familiar with this guest because we've seen your Spotify wrapped stories with like your top podcasts. And uh, this particular guest shows up a lot. So, welcome to Camp Half Pod. Mike Schubert from The Newest Olympian.
2: Hello, it's me. Mike, uh, son of Poseidon previously, but then they posted a new quiz and I got Athena, but my wife is House of Athena, so that feels weird. So <laughs> I'm question mark cabin, but hello, I'm happy Ooh. to be here. It's a joy to make my Camp Half-Pod debut. It was fun having you folks on my show, so now to be on your show is a fun little uh, home and away. Here we go.
1: Well, it was fun because when we were on your show, we couldn't give any spoilers, so it was a lot of us just humming along and yeah. saying...
2: I do feel bad. I'll have to have you back on for a future show because obviously because I can't read ahead. I don't know what the chapters are going to be. And I don't remember exactly which one it was. I just remember it was like in retrospect, a chapter that, like, sowed so many seeds. So your your commentary was limited to a lot of mm-hmm. So <laughs> I will have to have you on for another chapter. Maybe a Heroes of Olympus thing or something where yes. maybe I'll pick, like, an early chapter that shouldn't have anything ominous, just, like, more hijinks and less, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. And you, maybe you can say things in this time. Mm-hmm.
1: It was fun, though, because we got to just, I, when reading Trials of Apollo, hadn't read it before, so Aaron was doing that to me a lot, so it was really fun to be able to do it to someone else.
2: (laughs) Yes, to be on the other side of the equation, sure, sure, sure.
0: Being in the know is so much fun (laughs) when other people aren't. The strategic mm and ah. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: So this is interesting that you don't have a set godly parent.
2: Yeah, I I mean, really, it's very recent. Like I always had said Poseidon. And then I took this new quiz that Becky had posted recently. It was like the D23 one instead of the Reed Ryordan one. And it's hard with these quizzes, because I feel like, I, I guess because it is a book series designed for children, the quizzes are not like, thorough and intense mm-hmm. like the the options are things some of them are like pretty even like oh what is your favorite animal or like mm-hmm. where do you like to hang out but then some of them it's just like some of the answers for certain ones are like more normal like you know it's like what kind of person are you it's like I'm a people pleaser and then the Hades cabin answer I guess is like I love murder so like <laughs> there's just, there's like sometimes two silly answers where it's like I know what they're going for with all of these I feel like I need one that is like way more You know, Myers Briggs, like intense, Mm. where it doesn't make it very clear when I'm taking this quiz. This is the Athena one. This is the Apollo one. This is the Poseidon one. I need one that just like is more vibe centric. And then Mm -hmm. I get a true answer.
1: Oh well what well, we'll have to point you to the quiz that I made when okay. I was in grad school and Let's kind of go. tweaking out. Um, yes. the questions are completely random. They don't make okay. a lot of sense. Okay. I will Amazing. send that to you. Please and do have and we'll take know.
2: it. And then yeah. either if you put it yeah. in the episode after or whatever, then we can, you know, voiceover of like Mike has taken the official quiz and he is. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's official, I'm very curious. Uh, it's official also, to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. I also don't remember I just remember not sleeping. And making the quiz, so I think it uh-huh. is quite unhinged. So prepare yourself. I think you
0: should bring back that era. You made like a lot of quizzes while you were in grad school for so like what's your fatal flaw? <laughs> and it just like talks
1: about your deepest fears and what yeah. like the worst things you've experienced as a human being. Yeah. And I think you know, for children,
0: yeah, yeah. for children, <laughs> for children. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, this episode was really exciting to mm-hmm. watch. Um, I definitely binged it um in the sense of i just normally i have to take a little break and walk around and i'm doing something else but i've loved that these lot, like these first 4 episodes have been just so much fun to watch and just i don't know no phones are out full focused yeah yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah the joy of the show the pacing is really solid mm-hmm. and the episodes are not They are all exactly the correct length. I think what's fun about this one is that this one was only like 33 minutes as opposed to the other ones which are all like Mm -hmm. in the 40s. And I appreciate that the showrunners are deciding, look, let's just make the episode the right length and not feel like it has to be a certain amount of time. Because it's something I've noticed in some shows. Like streaming does allow for some cool opportunities where it doesn't have to be a particular length sometimes it's really good and then sometimes like I still enjoyed Ted Lasso season three but there were some episodes mm-hmm. where I'm like this did not need to be an hour like this could mm-hmm. have been 38 minutes so I've never at any millisecond watching these four episodes felt bored I agree phone has not been out like arguably for some of them I was like let's watch it again immediately because mm-hmm. there's so much it's it's just great so I a thousand percent agree
0: mm-hmm. yeah I love when they're not, like, there's just the number of episodes needed to tell the story. They're not doing, like, there needs to be 22 episodes or there needs to be 10. And they all need to be the exact same uniform time. I'm so glad we're getting this adaptation.
1: I loved what we talked about. I mean, when we're writing the notes for this episode, um, talking about what Erin brought up, the theme of who is a monster, like, what is a monster and who is mm-hmm. a monster to whom. Um, I feel like this episode... And also just the fact that we've been able to watch so many amazing people's like TikToks and interpretations of uh, the last episode, which was a good episode. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like it highlights a lot of interesting topics that we're going to dive into while we go mm-hmm. through this. I, this is not going to be as like, it's going to be a lot more in depth and more of a psycho analysis of characters and Thematic issues, I think, will be a lot more fun. We haven't been able yeah. to do that, I think, in the last two series. I feel like PJO was really heavy with that, but the last two mm-hmm. series, I've been kind of just vibes. So this is fun to return back to the theme of yeah. being able to bring an adult perspective to a kid's show, mm-hmm. kind of thing.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I think with this episode in particular, like when you think about it, obviously it ends with a lot of action. But yeah, when you think about what did they do in this episode, it's like they sat on a train. And then they fought a monster. So, like, there is a lot Mm -hmm. of talking. There's a lot of things that we get into. Like, we get into more of the Grover Pan stuff. We get into more of Annabeth's relationship with Athena. We get into a little bit more of, like, how the gods and demigods dynamic works. So, though it ends on, like, a really action-packed note, for the most part, it's, like, a lot of, like, a a lot of talking. But it doesn't feel like a lot of talking because they've said it in different places. But... It is more allowing for those kind of conversations because it's not just like stuff, 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 which is fun.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's a good you all mentioned like not a I guess a lot happens. But when we when I looked at the book, this is only chapter 13 of the lightning thief, which is so interesting because it's a full episode. A lot happens, but they really expanded that whole chapter. That's like the St. Louis uh, the one chapter that's in the book, they really expanded it into a whole 33-minute episode. So that's really interesting, like what parts of the book they choose to go deeper in and then what parts they they remove or make show up in a different way. So Yeah,
2: I think this, this one it. does something that I've been talking a lot about on the episodes of my mm-hmm. podcast, The New South Olympian, we've been doing about the TV show, is that mm-hmm. the camp stuff from the book, doesn't come through as much cuz they just get on the quest really quickly which i think makes sense yeah. for the tv show so i think a lot of the like things that normally come from or at least from the book came from conversations that chiron and annabeth had with percy those are kind of getting mm-hmm. transplanted into the quest and i think that this is a prime example of that happening which is why you have like yeah it's just chapter 13 but like if you look and did like a highlight of like what was actually in like chapter six or something <laughs> i think it's a lot of like well yeah chiron and percy talk about this but now it's something Grover's saying to percy in the tv show i guess that could explain how just one chapter became an entire episode of the tv show
0: yeah exactly they have to like spread out that uh exposition because in a tv show you don't want to just watch you know 30 minutes of annabeth telling percy about how the gods work because that would just people would zone out
2: yeah (laughs) you can't have two camp episodes and as much as we love camp like they gotta get going they gotta get going
0: (laughs) yeah like, I would watch a whole five episodes about camp, but I would less watch a thousand
2: episode <laughs> yeah. season. Like, if there were like each page is an episode, I'd be like, fantastic, sign me up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're yeah. not the normal target audience of 10 year old newcomers that they're trying to bring in. Very true.
1: <laughs> All right, well, let's. Talk about the Disney Plus summary real quick. So, the hunt for our heroes thickens as Percy, Annabeth, and Grover are chased by forces more powerful than they're prepared for. Sustaining injuries and seeking shelter in the St. Louis Arch, they debate whether to call for help, leading Percy and Annabeth to question if their godly parents will answer. They love to make me not breathe when they write Mm -hmm. these summaries. They're like, how much can we cram in one sentence? as many commas as possible
2: yeah that is that really just what okay so it's two sentences It's
0: two sentences mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. they love a run-on sentence
2: yeah i mean it like it's grammatically correct but it does feel chunky yeah, I haven't mm-hmm. been reading the summaries, so this is fascinating. I have to, I should start keying into them, because usually my mm-hmm. process is, like, the episodes live hit play and yeah. not breathe, so I, <laughs> I like that we're bringing in the summaries, because I always think that it's fascinating to see, like, if they try to throw people off the scent, but this does feel like a pretty straightforward summary.
1: hmm mm-hmm. Well, you know, as the season goes on, the last couple episodes are going to have such, like, vague summaries because they can't give it away any key... Um, key plot points and so i've always noticed that there's some reason it's like it's gonna be like percy has a bad time and you're gonna have to infer <laughs> what happens
0: they'll be like percy was betrayed
1: nothing <laughs> else well, the
0: prophecy <laughs> came true yeah. yeah the prophecy comes true but it's not how they expect percy that's
2: converses all. with luke in the forest
0: mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah they have a fun friendly conversation
2: <laughs> yeah they just talk about their favorite pets <laughs> yeah such as Amazing.
0: scorpions <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Monica, you mentioned Disney doesn't like to let you breathe transition right there. We open (laughs) with a scene of Percy, little baby Percy getting swimming lessons with, with his mommy And he's very scared of being in the water. And he says, and and she kind of is freaking out too. She's like, you need to learn how to do this to be able to protect yourself. And he's like, just breathe, mommy. And it melted my heart. (laughs) I love that they're adding in a lot of those scenes with Sally to kind of continue to strengthen that relationship and keep us rooting for Percy to get back to her.
2: Mm -hmm. I think it's good. And I also like that they're making Sally not only lovable, but relatable as a Mm -hmm. mom, because at first, like the initial thing where she's frustrated, like Percy, we've been here for 15 minutes. And then Percy, we paid for this class. Fantastic. Also, Sally, you can get free swimming lessons in New York City. You like you can sign up for them. What are you doing? (laughs) But the other thing that I think is great is when the little percy says mommy just breathe at first she's angry which is correct like if your little mm-hmm. kid uses the things they use on them like of course your instinct is going to be like you little cr- mm, like, but then you have to be like <laughs> okay they are right like i see what they're doing but i like that her initial thing was like don't you dare use mm-hmm. my mommy talk on me
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah nothing Aww. is like telling a." Um, someone who's upset to calm down. Like, Percy, Mm -hmm. we'll learn this later, but that's not a great tactic. Mm -hmm. I also liked the idea that up until this point, he hasn't been super comfortable in water, whereas Mm -hmm. in the movies and stuff, he's, like, fully breathing underwater already, and he's like, who is my father? But in this one, it's like, oh, he never had a chance to figure it out because he refuses to go into the water. He's nervous about it. He doesn't like being underwater. He doesn't know how to swim that well. So, like... There's no way he would have trusted Poseidon. There's already that, like, disconnection um, between him and Poseidon because he's never been in the water. And also, he doesn't trust the water because he doesn't trust Poseidon.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think this Mm -hmm. speaks to what Rick has been saying, which is a lot of the stuff in the show is, oh, if I could have done this again, this is what I would do. I feel like Rick is correcting a lot of, like, I've written a book series and for 20 years or however long they've been out, I guess, like, 14 or no I get just shy of 20 so like for for uh, you know a decade plus people have been writing think pieces and reddit posts about things that don't make sense and this feels like someone made one called how did percy not know he loved the water Like (laughs) so I think it's like oh okay yeah if I could have done it again and given it more thought yeah I would have a reason where he doesn't have as much experience with the water because yeah it reading the book it was funny when and and I didn't notice this until some people pointed it out that nancy in the tv show like tiny streams of water grab her into the fountain i thought it was just like a force push kind of thing but apparently mm-hmm. if you watch it you can see like little tiny water streams grab her but that was the funny thing that percy in the very beginning is like a fountain attacked my bully and then a toilet attacked my other bully who's my dad and it goes on mm-hmm. for like too many chapters so i think mm-hmm. they are doing a good job of making it more confusing to percy and then thus the viewer as well
0: yeah i think so too all right. Well, then we. So this is kind of like a dream flashback, and then the scene shifts, and there's the mysterious voice that has been popping up in a couple episodes so far, and like the figure in the in the distance taunting Percy, and they're in a desert, which I thought was interesting. So we know as readers of the book that this is this is Kronos talking mm-hmm. to him. Kronos's looming voice. Um, and I saw some people on the internet talking about like why is it a desert, and some people were saying. Is it sand like an hourglass, like because Mm. Kronos controls time? I saw some people saying, is it because it's, you know, a desert is kind of the opposite of the ocean. So where Percy feels less powerful. And I don't know. What do you all think?
2: I think it could be either of those. I think Mm -hmm. they are going for based on what we've seen in the trailer, the teaser and clips Mm -hmm. and stuff. I think they're going for a very different vibe of the underworld, which I love. When you watch yeah. the Bad Lightning Thief movie, it is <laughs> like, it's like if you told an AI, like, show me the underworld. And it's just like the most basic thing you can think of. Like, it's dark, there's fire, it's mountains. Like, from the clips, though, when we see the underworld, it's like, just like gray and like overcasty, but not super dark, which I, I love I hate when shows are dark like even the minotaur stuff I was like can we turn up the brightness like a mm-hmm. little bit like I know it's dark so that the CGI looks okay but like can I see a little more of what's happening like when Percy mm-hmm. looks out the back window and in half a second goes is that's the minotaur I was like how are you seeing this that's impossible like I know it's the minotaur and I wasn't even sure but I am very excited because we've seen the gray for the underworld and you Mm -hmm. do see at least in either the trailer or the teaser. There was like Grover sliding down the pit, which is definitely like the evil Mm. shoes thing. And it looked like this dream where it's like sandy and bright. So whatever it is, I'm glad it has resulted in like Tartarus is bright so we can see what's happening. But I (laughs) think either of those theories that you've put forth would make sense. I just Mm -hmm. think they have embraced that the underworld doesn't have to look like the stereotypical underworld and whatever direction that is it makes me really happy because i think percy jackson as a book series is all about doing choices you wouldn't expect like poseidon wearing beach clothes and hermes being a track guy so to bring (laughs) that into the tv show it's like oh this isn't what you expect for tartarus i really like it i really do
0: yeah and it kind of continues this conversation that uh we mentioned in the beginning that i think the show is really honing in on of like not everything that looks like a monster is a monster. Not yeah. everything that doesn't look like a monster, that doesn't mean it isn't a monster. And so, like, you know, things that we expect to be bad might not look the way we expect them to. Or things that we that look dark might not actually be bad. And it's interesting. And I love that the show is really honing in on that.
1: I am obsessed with how far away Kronos is when he's yeah. taunting Percy. Because, like, in my head... Like, if that was me, I'd pretend not to hear him. Like, what? What are you saying? Like, you're so (laughs) far away. But it also is, like, this, like, figure looming in the distance. He's confused. He's obviously, like, I think Percy would have experienced, he's experienced water from the pool scene. We know that. He's experienced city life, forest, all this stuff. So, like, to put, take a kid who's only lived in New York and place him mm-hmm. in the middle of a desert is probably so disconcerting. He's probably so confused. It's so foreign to him. And there's this mysterious dark figure with this booming, creepy voice kind of creeping up in the background. I can imagine it's just like Kronos went into the dream sequence and is like, what mm-hmm. is going to make you the most uncomfortable?
2: Mm. yeah I think this is the first example of the Kronos dream thing where he's like intentionally trying to scare Percy and what mm-hmm. I appreciate as the show has done it because I think Kronos has now shown up three times like he hasn't shown up every single so. episode has he mm-hmm. I think he wasn't in so. the last one at all like I think he was in one mm-hmm. two and four but each time he's getting bigger and like more clear like the first one like you could really only see the light second one a little bit bigger this time you can like kind of see that he's got like a cloak of sorts going on and each time his stuff is getting more menacing. Like this time, mm-hmm. he was like basically just giving him the heads up of, like, hello, you're going to get fought by someone named Echidna and her chimera. Like, he she gets mm-hmm. pretty close to like just not even saying anything of, you know, trying to get him to go away. He's just kind of like, I'm just going to scare the kid. And I'm excited to see like how the future Chrono streams get. But he's just getting a little scarier. And with that, mm-hmm. us, the viewers, getting to see him more and more. And I think it's good like ramping up of the stakes.
0: Yeah. This is why Kronos, we've talked about this on our podcast, he's just the best villain in all of the verse because he is a performer. Like mm-hmm. he is putting on a show. He is crafting that dream sequence to be personal to Percy. It's great. I love Kronos. I mean, he not really but like, I mean, yeah. Look,
2: it's like Voldemort. He's got yeah. the presentation factor. Yeah. He knows that it's more than just the defeating thing. Otherwise, in The less Olympian, when he did his cool make a hole in the floor thing to make Ethan Nakamura go down, Kronos yeah. would have just done that to everyone. But that's too easy. Mm-hmm. I need to beat him mm-hmm. in combat. It's more dramatic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a performance. It's for mm-hmm. the theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Theater kids gone evil. All right, so the next scene is them on the train. So we we open with Percy wakes up. They're on the train at night. They're sleeping in their little compartment. And Percy and Annabeth have a moment where they bond and they talk about, about Talia um, about the gods and Percy has an interesting point. He points out, like, it doesn't make sense why the gods, you know, ignore us or just like turn us into trees if we die instead of actually trying to help us. Like they're supposed to be our parents. They're supposed to be supportive. Um, which is such a, a Percy thing to say, because he's had this example of Sally as a supportive parent, whereas, you know, Annabeth hasn't had that. And so she's like, doesn't really see what, what he's trying to point out.
1: I also love this idea of a kid's book pushing the narrative of people don't automatically earn, like, have respect. They have to earn mm-hmm. it. And just because mm-hmm. the gods are demanding respect doesn't mean that they have earned it in any way. And to Percy, they've actually earned the a lot of disrespect. They are yeah. not good people. They haven't been there for him. And they have the power to change their lives for the better. And instead, they're allowing them to suffer. And so he doesn't think that's fair, and he's pointing it out. And I loved that that's a, like a theme that they have in a children's book, because I feel like it's so normal to do the, oh, you have to listen to authority because X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Respect your elders. Rick says revolution, actually. Yeah, rebellion mm-hmm. is cool.
0: Agreed. And then we do get a little exposition from Annabeth telling Percy this was in the book too, at this point about how she ended up alone, how she ran away at seven. Um, And she kind of gives some insight onto her perspective, why she follows the God's rules and respects them. And she says, you know, they have rules, they have rules that I can follow. And I know if I do this, I make this offering, I'll be respected by them or I get something. Whereas with mortals... Like her father, she's like, I did everything right and I was still rejected and neglected and had to run away. And so that's a very sad perspective that we see from Annabeth, but it makes a lot of sense for her.
1: I got sent a TikTok by, um, shout out to my friend Maddie, who is also one of our Patreons. I -hmm. sent me a TikTok where they're talking about the casting, the intentional casting of Annabeth Grover as being POC because you have them very obediently following authority because they know that they are given less leeway than a normal like um like a white child whereas Percy being cast as a white kid he has the audacity that only like a white man would have where he's being impertinent he's not as afraid as they are because they understand the rules not only in the mortal world but also in this olympian realm and i thought that was a very interesting analysis
2: yeah, that that's interesting. And what's funny is I didn't think about this for that, but I did think about this later in this episode when the police mm-hmm. officer yeah. is talking to them because Percy is like, yo, he's like pushing back against him. And then Grover is like not saying anything. And then Annabeth is just asking, are we under arrest? Are we under arrest? Which I think also does track for, you know, what people, white kid versus POC, like how that how you would be taught by your parents to approach police officers. And it's something I also saw a video on Instagram of Rick explaining that it was an intentional choice where they had sensitivity readers and something they wanted to introduce was, yes, we have cast Annabeth as a black woman. How do we make sure that That does convey into the show, not feeling too heavy handed, but also feeling authentic. And I think the asking and saying nothing except are we under arrest is a really good example of making Mm -hmm. something that's authentic, but not like, hello, it's me, you know, something that feels like we're watching a PSA in addition to watching a Percy Jackson show.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I that's one of the really cool things about like the way these characters are being reinvented in the show and added layers and nuance to these characters, um, and how they exist in both the, the godly world and the mortal world as well. I did
1: love the comparison of, oh, um, I follow the rules because I know, like, it's like the way I imagine in working the corporate world and especially like contracting and stuff. And they're basically like, Hey, if you do X, Y, and Z, you're going to get a promotion. And if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you won't get the promotion. So Annabeth is like feeling that way, but with a parent where she's like, if Mm. I do these things, I will get love. Whereas a mortal parent who's more complex and she's had like a very interesting history with her father and her stepmom. She knows that no matter what she does, it's not good enough. So she doesn't know what to do. And as a planner and someone who is like a little bit um, socially awkward, she's like, I can't, I can't. Pretend to know what these people are thinking. So I'm not going to try.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That tracks. That tracks for her mm-hmm. planning mentality too. Like, I, she is okay with the gobbly stuff because she appreciates clear objectives, like if this, then that, as opposed to like maybe you'll get a raise at the end of the year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to Maddie for sending you that TikTok. That's super interesting. Yeah. Also, yeah. Um, I, I, Look forward to seeing how that continues to show up. And yeah, I did think that during the the cop scene as well. I was like, oh, that's very different responses to authority among Mm -hmm. the three of them. Um, All right. So the next scene, the train in the morning, which is when we get this cop scene um, talking about uh, in the book. Because I, I had to look back at our own notes from these episodes because I was like, I don't remember all of this happening. And it didn't in the book. In the book, they get off in St. Louis for a three-hour layover, and they just kind of explore the city and meander. But I think in the show, they're kind of upping the stakes and trying to move that plot along, get them to the arch quicker. And so we see a shot of something monstrous crashing into the train, and then it cuts to the three of them sitting by a window and kind of talking about the quest as well as spying some centaurs running around outside the train, which I thought was very interesting um, as a tool to to plant the seed for Grover's, Grover's search for Pan, future potential search for Pan.
2: Yeah, change from the Nemean Lion, but I think it makes mm-hmm. sense for the show. Just the viewer who hasn't read the books has seen a centaur, so it's just mm-hmm. the centaur. So they can just use it as ways to explain Pan as opposed to Having to explain the Nemean Lion and then also explain the pan thing, like it's just a simplification case. As much as I loved when I read Titan's Curse, the callback of like oh, the thing from the train, like as mm-hmm. much as that would be cool, I think sometimes you just gotta make things that make sense for the adaptation.
1: Exactly. I did have a question. So Grover talks about how there's not as many centaurs running around anymore because of deforestation. Mm-hmm. Um aren't they half human? How is the forest, lack of forest? <laughs> Depleting their numbers. If they're able to, like, you know, Uh, blend in with humans,
0: I guess. What do they eat? You know, do they (laughs)
1: graze?
0: Do they (laughs) squish with with ah, their ah, human mouths?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is an interesting question. That isn't. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen we haven't seen Chiron eat anything yet. So
0: Mm -hmm. we'd have. That's true.
2: The other thing is, like, we know that Chiron is able to disguise his legs in Mm -hmm. the universe at least tv show wise they've said that the wheelchair is a magical item so it's just like that disguises him. maybe the centaurs are unable to hide their legs like Grover's legs are okay but horse legs are not enough for the mist so they would need something and they don't have them so they have to live in the forest because the mortal world would see them so maybe it's just like purely the centaur housing crisis and they need (laughs) woods for them (laughs)
1: Do you think that when they graze, their entire torso has to go down to the ground and the kind of like a like
0: upside <laughs> they down? They have like cartwheel. a lot of neck pain. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a chiropractor just for Chiron practice. <gasps> nice, we well go. done, well. <laughs> to
2: everyone for listening. up. we're good.
0: Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, then we get to the the cop scene we were talking about. So a cop shows up and asks to see their tickets takes them back to their cabin, which has been totally destroyed. And they're like, Percy's like, we didn't do that. What are you talking about? Um, we've been out there the whole time. Whereas there's a woman in the cabin next to them confirming that she's like, I heard kids laughing and I heard them yelling and I heard them do that. And so, this is where we get to meet Echidna, which is quite different than in the book than her just uh, showing up at the Arch.
2: Mm -hmm. I really like it. I think it's fun. Mm -hmm. I also love Suzanne Cryer as an actress. She's so good. I was really excited when I saw that she was cast, and I knew she was going to knock it out of the park in this role, and she did. And I like that Echidna had a little bit more. In the book, it's just kind of like, ah, scary villain. Like, it's very monster of the week but like even less in terms of like story impact it's truly just like fighting a mini boss in a video game but now with this there is more to it and i love what they've done i just, mm-hmm. all, all around i thought it was great
1: i thought it went really well with the conversation of gabe is gabe truly a monster and are they going to kill him at the end of the, the season but i don't think they are I, god, I hope they do, but I think <laughs> See, he needs to be I love that, I love that, that. he
2: dies, but yeah. I get it, but I also love that he dies. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Just like, oh, Sally gets to commit murder. I think it, I I want that for her. <laughs> I love that. But I like the idea of like you have these human faces on people who like Echidna is very much mother like motherly. She's your typical like white woman who's mm-hmm. really like dressed up she looks respectable she's like talking to the cops and everything about her is just like you just know it sets your teeth on edge because you mm-hmm. know what kind of person she's going to be she's the kind of person who points her finger at the three unaccompanied minors she mm-hmm. lets mm-hmm. the cops go after them she when she talks to them she's super condescending and really just first of all weird vibes and it's just like you could pick that person out of an like a crowd like that person exists and we have encountered mm-hmm. them if you worked in retail you've encountered them many times <laughs> and mm-hmm. so for them to be able to put that entire personality and face on the mother of monsters is so interesting to me in the same way like they, they can put Gabe's really lazy, kind of condescending useless face <laughs> on the face of like, Oh, you know this guy. Your friend is married to this guy and he doesn't <laughs> help do the dishes. He doesn't he doesn't he expects things to be handed to him. He's super whiny. He's super unappreciative and you can just kind of pull it out, which is kind of why I hope he dies, but you know, that's a personal <laughs> thing. Um so I just really love that. I love again that theme of our monsters are not what we expect, but we can yeah. still identify them if we're given enough time. Yeah.
0: yeah. That is that's a, a super good point too that honestly the most the scariest things about echidna in the show are the ways that she's a very very human like she's she's a karen basically i mean Mm -hmm. like you mentioned she targets the unaccompanied minors. not to mention two out of three of them are people of color and darker skinned people of color that she's like saying like yeah they did that obviously they're criminals she's very much a karen and Mm -hmm. very realistic though i do give her points for being a chihuahua mom I feel seen by that.
2: (laughs) I also want to give her points for the jacket. The jacket's great. I love the jacket. (laughs) It's a good jacket. You also like the first time I was seeing it when Grover points out the glass, I did not see any glass. So then I had to rewind no. and like you can see some little glass, which yeah. I think is CGI glass because it does shimmer a lot. And I think probably for the people like me who are like, I don't see any glass. What's he talking about? But then upon inspection, but the jacket's great. You look great, Suzanne.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love a well-dressed monster. Mm hmm. All right. right. Um, oh, also, Manasa, I was looking at our old outline for this, and you kind of went off in it about the way Echidna is described in mythology, because uh, we were talking about, we did a deep dive on her and her appearance, and I remember this tangent, because you mentioned that she's described as having a human head and a snake head. Like, she has no legs. She's like two heads like human on one hand and a snake on the other and you were like how does she give birth as the mother oh, of monsters yeah. this is a like whole thing but she has two heads on either side and uh they chose not to display that which i think is probably for the best because it would have confused everyone
1: <laughs> i'm sure that they gave rick a piece of paper and were like can you kind of rough sketch what the hell you were trying to describe and he was just kind of like no and so they just made her a woman <laughs>
2: <laughs> he wrote Suzanne Cryer and then, yeah, yeah
1: that's it yeah <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: all right so and then she kind of continues this conversation as well about uh she says that she thinks demigods are actually more dangerous than her monsters which is this through line that Medusa talked about I mean she didn't say the demigods necessarily were more dangerous but you know this this through line of are monsters actually monsters? Are the humans the monsters? The same thing with like the deforestation conversation, like who's, who's causing the harm? And you know, it's all over. But then she does like sick her pet, her pet on them. So that's not exactly like super friendly. So there's bad guys on every side, basically, is what we're getting at.
1: It's very much like Medusa. Medusa like, has a story. Yeah. She has good points. Her arguments are great. But murder is still murder, Medusa. And so mm-hmm. then you have to like, it gives them pause of like, how do we attack her? How do we protect ourselves? Because it's like kind of, you know, twisting their morals a little bit. And then she attacks first. So I think mm-hmm. that helps. And I love, I love that. I love that he brings that into his books. And I love that he brought it into the TV show mm-hmm, thing. Oh, and uh, I was live texting Erin, because she watched it a little bit before me, um, because as soon as um, as soon as the camera came on screen and like it took a while for us to see it because it chases them for quite a while before we actually get a proper view because it's just destroying train after train. They're booking it. They see that something's coming and they move because they are smart kids. But mm-hmm. when you finally get a close scene, like like visual of the chimera, it is so cute. I was like, I <sighs> want that. It's got a bit too many eyes, but it looks mm-hmm. kind of like a, a lioness with a couple mm-hmm. eyes. And like the in my head, when I read the chimera, it was really ugly and weird looking. And so making it cute, I was like, OK, well, I get it now. I'm like, oh, I'm really Like, oh, kitty.
2: Yeah, so that was an intentional thing I've seen and I was able to talk to the VFX leads and they said Mm -hmm. that... It was an intentional choice to like make it a little more majestic and a little less terrifying and they had i think the cgi was based off of like an, a, an original sort of model that the folks from Weta workshop who do the lord of the rings stuff they had it Ooh. and then they let them like use that and kind of tweak it a little bit but yeah they said that they went for something that wasn't as completely terrifying as the original chimera i guess because of the like mother sh- the motherhood proud of her Baby, kind of thing. It is like weirdly beautiful and scary at the same time. Like mm-hmm. it, it, do, it looks just like terrifyingly majestic. So mm-hmm. I think they they nailed it, and I think for everyone's sake, it probably makes sense that they did it. It just makes me really intrigued. What are they gonna do with Compe? What are they gonna do? There's oh. no way to not make that the worst. I and yeah. even, even like Briaris, who's supposed to be our friend, like that's gonna be terrifying. I'm intrigued to see, like, even even when they get, you know, uh, in Titan's Curse with the, I'm forgetting, the French guy, who is the oh, manticore. The oh. The, or, I was saying oh, the Manticore, Dr. A,
0: Thorne. Yes, Dr. Yeah.
2: Thorne, the manticore. The
0: professor. Thorne. Right. <laughs> these
2: are all these things where it's like, it's going to be fascinating how the show continues to deal with, this is a Greek mythology thing, but this is also targeted for children and for books you can kind of get away with letting the kids not terrifying imagination let them see something that isn't super duper scary but the show is harder so yeah it'll be interesting but i think they they did it well here
1: mm-hmm.
2: who the heck knows what they're gonna do going forward
1: i hope they go the it'll majestic fun. cute route because i am so right? excited to see what and i can't wait till if, i hope that they release like mytho magic cards and see oh. all these creatures on oh. there I'm. I'm I'm hopeful.
2: I'm hopeful that Disney's going to get right on the merch department. They did very Mm -hmm. recently release. You can get a Mm -hmm. camp half blood shirt. You can get another like two shirts or something. So like, I think they're going to to make right and and make a bunch of merchandising stuff. Especially if they start like putting stuff into the parks. Like I think there is the (sighs) chance of more and more stuff. But like if they don't by the end of season three have like an actual like mytho magic game. They have truly fumbled the bag. Yeah. They have so mm-hmm. much time to develop this. Like, hire an established gaming company. Let's make a real card oh. game with rules that make sense and have Mytho Magic ready when season three drops. Come on.
0: And we know, like, Percy Jackson fans are also board game nerds. Like, it's And card game nerds. Oh my like, it's God. the pipeline is there. <laughs> mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm
1: so unfortunately for percy while he's getting um chased by this beautiful chimera he ends up getting stung in the process Mm -hmm. and as they run annabeth is talking about architecture we don't get to see it as nerdy as they do Mm -hmm. in the book where she forces them to go to the arch just so (laughs) that she can see it this is more if she's admiring it while they're trying to run and she's spouting facts and it's more of like this version of Annabeth is less childlike. She's unable to be as free mm-hmm. and nerdy. She's more like, we have a mission. This is how we have to do it. And this is the process we have to go. Whereas the book, she's more just kind of kind of a nerd and weird mm-hmm. and able to do that. I thought it was an interesting twist, but they still give, it, give her the same personality. And like, yeah. just um, the way that she shows it is a little different.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's tough to bring it in, given on what they're trying to do with Annabeth in the show. So it made me sad, but I'm glad they at least like made an effort to put it in. Like when they're in the art, she's all she's like her demeanor completely changes and she's nerding out and stuff, which is good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's just one of those things where like you can't have it all in the adaptation. And at least we got a glimmer of nerd Annabeth. At least we're getting a little bit of it.
1: Yeah. I'm sure Love we'll it. see more of her as she becomes closer to Percy and more comfortable around Percy. Because right mm-hmm. now, this is still a little bit more Percy's perspective. We see her be a little nerdy and awkward when she's buying too many um, <laughs> snacks. At the store. candies. Yeah, because yeah. she's like, how can I be the best at bringing snacks for my friends? And I also don't have never <laughs> oh, had friends before. Yeah. yeah, she's never had friends before. She's like, how can I make sure that they like me and make sure I bring the best snacks So she just grabs all of them. And I think that's also something
2: a listener pointed out to me because I was like, why do they keep showing her being so confused by the candy? I was like, is this a joke I'm supposed to get? Is this like from Heroes of Olympus that it's a reference? And someone pointed out she's never left camp before. She's never bought candy. And I was like, oh, okay, that's why she's confused and just picks everything because she doesn't know what's good. So she just grabs everything.
1: And she needs to make it good because she needs to be the best and she also you know she's like like she like these are her friends as she thought yeah she thought so she thought percy
0: was like psych, you're not my friend
2: (laughs) (laughs) i think it was more like she he he's there she's not i read that the thing that they do later in this episode more as like he knows Mm. their friends but doesn't want to say it and she's like Mm hmm "Hmm." i I think but they both know they're getting there they're getting there next episode waterland come on they're gonna right it's gonna be great right
1: i will cry okay
0: (laughs) so good yeah so speaking of that line they do have like a bit of a conversation when they're in the little like lobby i don't know museum area of the arch um where percy points out he's like She says that he could also, they're in this, uh, they established the arch as a temple of Athena. She points out that he, maybe he could like make an offering to Poseidon or ask Poseidon for help. And Percy's like, why would I do that? Like you've done more for me than Poseidon's done for me. And she's like, careful, you're about to call me a friend. And it's like a little bit flirty and I love it. And it's so cute. We already got the little Persebeth banter going.
2: It's good. It's good. Yeah. They're laying. They're laying the foundation. Yes. And I think the the whole lobby scene was great. I like adding in like Grover not liking the manifest destiny thing. I think everything yes. they're doing here is quite nice.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Grover pointing out that they're the monsters because who's actually killing animals and deforesting? Mm-hmm. And he's like, maybe you know, kinda might be right. Like we kind of suck as, as like humans or. He's not really a human, but he's just he's frustrated and Mm -hmm. it's a great conversation starter that we can then see Grover's character a lot. Like, what is he passionate about? It's environmental causes. And it's nice to see that on TV as a character that kids will like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Anyway, Percy's dying. Like, he's gotten poisoned. (laughs) They're like, what What are we going to do? And uh, Percy thinks he's fine. And clearly he's not fine. And Annabeth has a big brain moment where she remembers water. She puts him in the fountain. Obviously, that's some random still water. It's not going to help the way the ocean does. And also, if they're on Athena's... Uh, like it's this, a this monument to Athena and they're kind of realizing maybe Athena's not happy with them because the water doesn't work. They have to bring Percy inside. Annabeth has a moment where she's thinking that they're safe and that Athena can help them. But then the Chimera and Echidna are able to come into sacred ground. And mm-hmm. Annabeth has a moment of realization that her mom was really offended by probably Percy's reaction to sending like Medusa's head and his impertinence that she's punishing them and she's not going to help them and we have this shift because from what we heard from percy earlier of like you should you don't treat people like that like again respect is earned where with the question is do we think that annabeth blames percy for his impertinence and acting against the rules that she had asked him not to do or do we think she blames athena who lets such a small thing about ego be a life or death thing
2: I might pick an option that you didn't present, which is she blames herself for not sticking mm-hmm. to her instinct of not going along with what Percy yes. said and what he wanted to do. Because initially she's like, no, 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 we can't do this. And then he's like, come on. And then she's like, all right, fine. And I think she's now kicking herself for not sticking to her guns. But this is a question that I have. Like, is what would be the reason that Athena didn't, like, why would she be mad? Was it just because they're being brash? Because in theory, they killed a monster that mm-hmm. Athena didn't like. So it feels a little weird for her to be upset. I guess it's just like the audacity of sending effectively a middle finger in a box to the gods. Like that that has to be right? It has to be separate from Medusa. Otherwise, it makes no sense to me.
1: I think yeah. so. I would say it's like Percy's a forbidden child he's a son of poseidon and he's the one who needs the most help in this situation she's like no way and also she got ahead from him like that's not anything that she likes and so she's doing the calculation of if he dies here and now that's actually the mm-hmm. best for the situation so even if it, her daughter is collateral damage
0: yeah
2: mm, okay and, and th- i feel could like be the the poseidon athena beef
0: yeah yeah and we know that Annabeth did. Her initial gut reaction was like, we should not send that. Like, they are going to view that really poorly. And this feels like Athena being like, should have listened to your gut. Like, you had the, the right the right instinct. And to your question, monica I'm like, Yes. I feel like it's all of them. And also mm. Mike's suggestion about her blaming herself. And I think that in this moment, Leah does such a fantastic job where you see like five emotions pass on in her little eyes, big eyes, tiny little face. Oh, she's so <laughs> cute. Um, and uh, you, you see her kind of glare at Percy a little, but then it, it passes really fast and she looks like she's simultaneously little mad about herself not trusting her gut instinct to like not let percy do that and there's a tiny they've been planting those tiny seeds of doubt in the gods for annabeth Mm -hmm. about like based on the conversation they had on the train at night uh what happened with medusa there's very tiny little seeds of doubt for the gods that annabeth is is processing i think Mm -hmm. what was your thought monica
1: I thought the way that Leah acted, it felt very much like Percy's Percy's fault, but I like Mike's third option. That is a good Mm -hmm. one of like being, I should have done better because I definitely relate to that. Instead of getting angry at the person, I get mad at myself for not trusting my own instincts Mm. because um, I think that's just like a way I cope with the situation not working out. But then I think also... It passes so fast because she has to make a new plan really immediately. And I think her her not being at Percy kind of lines up with the fact that she then says that she's going to stay behind and fight the chimera and tells Grover and Percy to get out of there. Mm
0: -hmm. This Mm -hmm. moment like really had me. It was very fun. like I I genuinely was like wait are they gonna change it and Anna was yeah. like what what about Percy falling from the arch like I had a moment it really which is I will say like really fun as a person who loves the books I mean it's a little scary because I'm so attached to the books um, but you know I with with it in Rick's hands and the fact that they did a little switcheroo. Um, That made that made me trust it more, but it's very fun to still be on my toes as someone who has read these books like a lot of times uh, to still be like, wait, what's going on? And then that moment when Percy like is like, here, take my sword and then pulls it and switches places with her is so Percy, like such a Percy move. I thought it was iconic.
2: I think it's great. And I think it is an intentional thing. And I'm glad they're doing it. It's fun for the folks who have read the books to see yeah. something and be surprised. Because I knew that he was going to fall from the arch because it's in the trailer. But that's I was true. thinking, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, okay, are we going to get like a little bit of Annabeth versus Chimera? And then when he holds out the Riptide, that's what that's what tricked me the most. And I was like, is Annabeth going to wield mm-hmm. a Riptide and then mm-hmm. do the switcheroo, which is great. Ah, oh, it was it was fun, and I'm glad they're doing this and. I don't know because I don't have, like, the biggest finger on the pulse of the Percy Jackson fandom because since my podcast is me going through the books for the first time and I still have Heroes of Olympus and Trials of the and all those have to go. I have my social media like on super lockdown like I have every word you can imagine muted and all these other things because I don't want people to like accidentally be tweeting about Magnus Chase whoever he is and stuff like that (laughs)
0: So,
2: so I don't know like what people are necessarily saying about it but at least everyone that I've talked to from podcast episodes and stuff, mm-hmm. everyone is taking what I think is the correct approach with this adaptation, which is like no one is pulling the that's different and getting angry thing. People are just recognizing yeah. like this is an adaptation. Things are going to be slightly different as long as the tone is correct and the same sort of themes are there. It's great. So I haven't heard a single person make any complaint like, oh, they this is different. This isn't exactly how it's done because all the changes have a purpose and they have a reason and i think that is good and i think that this is fun so it gives us the fun of oh we get some new stuff too and we don't have to be sticklers about oh this wasn't exactly how they did it in the book it's like oh in the book they did this in the show they did this that's fun and different and i like the multiple interpretations
1: Mm -hmm. for me it's mostly yeah a lot of people who are very happy happy that they're Honoring the book and the changes are very interesting, and there's something that we can discuss and compare mm-hmm. and contrast to the book, which is really fun instead of just following the book exactly. My experience, because I have been mostly removed, Erin does all of the socials, so I've been mostly removed from The Phantom as well, um, because I also had spoilers I was trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a lot of people who are really nostalgic for the movie.
2: I see this every now and then, and it Stay boggles away. my mind. It boggles my mind. Like, mm-hmm. every now and then, a thing will pop up, and it'll be like, oh, the original trio was so good. The writing was bad. I'm like, did you hear Alexander Daddario deliver any line in those movies? Like, and even, no. and maybe people are going to get mad. I know a lot of people think Logan Lerman's great. I don't think he was bad. I think he was just cute. Like, I don't think, I don't yeah. I I didn't watch that movie and I was like, man, they wasted the potential. Like, I think he's great now. Like, I've seen him in future things, like Perks of a Wallflower. Right? Oh, right Perks of Being a Wallflower. Like, yeah. That's a whole different story. I didn't watch these movies and I was like, mm, opportunity wasted. <laughs> so the nostalgia for the first movies is bizarre. And I guess it just has to be that thing when, like, If you were the right age and you watched it when you were eight, you were like, this is great. Like if I watched old episodes of some shows that I adored when I was eight years old. Like, I'm sure, like, look, as much as I love it, Space Jam, not a great movie. Like, it's <laughs> no. a perfect movie, but it's not good. Perfect uh, movie. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it is It is everything I want it to be. It's not a good movie. And mm-hmm. I think that that might be it. But yeah, I agree. I've seen some weird stuff where people are, like, way too much holding on to what I thought was universally, like, these are bad.
0: <laughs> All right. Now we just have one back to the plot. <laughs> that's the <that's terrible>. <laughs> <laughs> So then, uh, yeah, Percy fights with the chimera on top of the arch. It's a pretty quick fight scene, honestly. Like, Echidna opens up this giant hole in the ground and Percy falls. Like, it's not as heroic in the book where he kind of jumps and is like, save me, Dad. Mm -hmm. He seems like he genuinely falls and is like, well, this is it. I guess we'll see what happens. But then, um, the water shoots up. Kind of similar to when it grabs Nancy in that first episode. but, you know, much more dramatically, and it grabs Percy. And we finally get an explanation for how he was tossed so far from the arch to the water. It's a good change. It's Mm -hmm. a good
2: change. It solves the geometry problem, and it also (laughs) solves the make it more intentional that Poseidon save him problem, which I like. I think the fight scene, though, was different. I think it had the same sort of... Energy that the book fight scene had where like mm-hmm. Percy kind of just gets bodied, like in the yeah. and in the TV mm-hmm. show, like he doesn't do a very good job fighting this mm-hmm. thing, which yeah. I think is true to form for the book, and is also true to form because I'm interested to see how they do this. Percy has not had like any sword training no. at yeah. all. So, how's he gonna fight Ares? Like, they're gonna need a scene mm-hmm. where he does better, unless the justification is he fights Ares on the beach and he's near the water. But other than that, like this dude. Sure, he beat the Minotaur, but it was, like, actively raining. Maybe that counts. I don't know. But I think for someone who's had zero fight training, like, he kind of just, like, bonks it on the horn and, like, loses Riptide. I think it did look authentic for someone who doesn't really know what he's doing. And, yeah, yeah, I kind of liked that he did just kind of think, like, this is game over. And then Poseidon yoinks him. And then mm-hmm. we have the scene afterwards. It was good. It's another one of those like, I understand the changes. I think it completely still gets the same emotion across. I'm not upset. If anything, I'm happy. Because I do get mad when people like it is the meme of like, how you know, people leading up to this episode are like, we'll finally learn how Percy Jackson you know, fell from here and went to there. It's like it, that's the part you got hung up on. Not the part where his dad is Poseidon. Come
0: on. <laughs> no, it's the math problem. It's, of the, it
2: all. it's uh, and it, look, I love a math problem. Former yeah. engineer here, big into it, but also it is. A a book for children sometimes you just have to be like yup he fell into the water because he had to fall into the water because his dad is Poseidon oh right his dad is Poseidon <laughs>
1: I also loved that this version of Percy doesn't give two shits about the gods. And so this version <laughs> yes. of Percy would never ask Poseidon for help. He's fallen to his death. He'd mm-hmm. be like, well, middle finger up to everyone. And like, at least I'm going out. Except my mm-hmm. mom. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. He would it. never have asked Poseidon for help. And this version, after like, he's been saying, well, Poseidon never showed up for me. This is a great opportunity to show Poseidon showing up for him. And mm-hmm. Then the next scene with the, with the breathe underwater, the callback to the mm-hmm, beginning mm-hmm, of the episode.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's just like, it was so good. The music and the way it just ended right there. I was vibrating. I wish the next yeah. episode would come out right then and there. The fact that we have to yeah. wait a week is so painful. Oh
0: Yeah. yeah. And I thought that it was interesting too, because the Nyreen is there and she's like, relaying this message like your father, which is he could interfere. And then she says the exact same thing, you know, that his mom said of just breathe. And it makes me like, was Poseidon, does Poseidon listen to Sally? Was he like watching those memories? It makes it feel like Poseidon's almost always been there. And I'm not, I do not think he's a good father, but it was an interesting uh, callback and made me think like, oh, has Poseidon actually been watching all along?
2: Yeah. I think think it's a good job of, I mean, I will be interested to see how the show handles it but i think in the book the vibe that i always got was the gods are all pretty much bad poseidon yes. does seem like he's a step ahead of the rest of them but he's mm-hmm. also still not great and i yeah. think so far in the show we've just had percy being like i hate this guy i don't care about this guy whatever i he honestly in this episode is like i like you annabeth more than my dad mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think that that has been done well to have this thing with the nareed say oh your father hates that he has been forced to keep a distance i think it is good to have like one bone be thrown to Poseidon. Yeah. But I hope it doesn't do what the Lightning Thief movie does, where it's, like, way too far skewed towards, like, I've cared about you so much, Percy, you don't mm-hmm. even know. Like, I yeah. think they've, they went way too far in the other direction. So I don't mind them giving us a little bit of, like, maybe Poseidon doesn't suck, but I hope it doesn't skew too much of, like, he's a good dad. Because you are right. He's yeah. not good. But he is better mm-hmm. by comparison to the others.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Granted, he only has one child. And so it's, like... It- he only has one kid to give attention to. The others are trying to split it between, you know, their 50 million well, children until... and still Poseidon's not there. Yeah, until oh,
2: until... young Tyson shows up in season mm-hmm. two. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Very true. All righty. Well, that's how our episode ends with Percy breathing, learning he can breathe underwater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Short episode, but so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. So much. <sighs> so much. I know. I think a lot of people are going to be sad the poodle didn't show up, but honestly, that oh, might. Cool. There are weird. people are going to be
2: mad about the lack of Gladiola?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think people yeah, are. I've I seen think people on Twitter already being like, "Next week is the poodle," and I'm like, mm, like oh, I don't wait. know that that would translate well to TV. I'm not going to lie; I would. I don't know how that would show up, but you just, uh,
2: you just can't. You can't do everything. You just yeah. can't do everything. I would love if they, if they, you know, we'll see all the characters that don't make it. I would love if Mm -hmm. the characters that don't make it find their way into like little background things like let's say they go into a coffee shop at some point and it's called gladiola's like that would be fun. I think it's just a matter of when you adapt things you can't do everything like you just cannot turn a 200 page book into an eight episode TV show. You're just not going to get it all. And I, I think you can do some other things that throw some nods their way without including it, but I think they've done a really good job thus far i and it is wild to be like we're halfway through the season so, oh my god right like we're uh. halfway through <laughs> and all and there's still so much to happen there's still mm-hmm. so much we have lotus casino we have oh. we have aries and waterland we've got los angeles we've got santa monica fight we've got olympus like there's still a lot to do so if people are going to get upset about the lack of gladiola like we only have four more episodes yeah bonkers
0: yeah let's go four more (laughs) we got this oh i'm so excited to see everything all righty well that's our content thanks for coming on mike that was really fun to be able to talk about it and hear all your insights
2: thank you for having me this was a delight it Uh, is so nice that I am done with the main books that I can finally step a bit more into the fandom because everyone has been so nice, but I can't like interact with, people as much but now that I finished the main five at least like that spoiler check mark is passed so mm-hmm. I'm glad that you all had me on the show and like I said we'll have you on in the future and I will yes. try to find an episode where you are allowed to speak words <laughs> and not just hmms that later become oh that's why they said hmm, because that was the big mm-hmm. reveal at the end of the book so yes, thank you <laughs> this was fun and hopefully we can make more crossover content happen
0: down the road yes I'm excited um where can where can people find you if they don't already listen to your podcast plug sure. plug away we can put the links in our description too thank
2: you that would be really sweet it's the newest olympian you can listen to it wherever pods are cast you can also go to our website <laughs> which is the newsolympian.com, which also has more information about the show and a bunch of the other stuff that we have going on and then the social media accounts for the show are at newest olympian on twitter instagram and facebook and then if you like me individually as a person my name is mike schuber and i'm on social media at shub 17 s-c-h-u-b-e-s-1-7 and then my personal website which has info about all the podcasts i make is s-c-h-u-b dot e-s so
0: shoops nice very nice this well thank so you for coming fun. on Yeah.
2: yes thank you have a good one and here's hoping the rest of the season is just as good as these first four episodes have been <laughs>
0: Thank you to Mike for coming on to our podcast. That was really fun. We are now going to move into our lightning bolt round questions because, you know, a lot of the time we have our guests do that. But since we're doing our rewind questions, I was like, I do not want to make him sit through uh, this particular one, which is like a five minute long answer. Um, so we're going to move on into that. Are you ready for some lightning bolt round questions, Monica? I am. Okay, so this first question, it was from our episode six, and I go in and I, like, try to find the timestamp of when we ask the question, and then I try not to listen to our answer, and then I, like, will forward until the end-ish timestamp. In this one, I just kept forwarding, and I was like, what, why haven't we asked our next question yet? What is going on? I don't know what happened. Um, It sounded like we were, like, debating something at one point, so... uh, (laughs) I encourage my sister Sammy to cut out whatever is necessary from this to just, you know, get to get to our answers and anything that's funny, but uh our rewind question this time is what animal would you want to be half of if you had to be half animal like echidna.
1: I cannot even begin to imagine what I said that caused or you said that caused it was as much discourse. Me. You probably said probably a worm me. or something stupid. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, because or
0: dolphin. I, I'm sure it I was mean, a dolphin. My instinct is still dolphin. Yeah, I'm
1: not mine. Gonna lie. Half would be, um, either like kind of something that is powerful. Like I need, I needed to give me some kind of transportation, right? Either I need to mm-hmm. be able to be like, oh, I have wings now, so I have half like winged body, but I don't really want the chicken feet, but it's fine. <laughs> Beggars can't be choosers. (laughs) And then the other one is like, oh, like a bottom of a horse or like a tiger. Mm -hmm. So I have the really strong paws. I would look fucking weird, but I think I think my answer's final answer would be like tiger or like an eagle or something of this sort. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think a bird would be really cool to be able to fly. My my first thought is dolphin still, but I'm 90% that or worm is what I said. Um which is, but like, I don't where would you that.
1: live? Where would yeah, you like, live? like, would I
0: have a dolphin face? Like, that would be kind of cute, but Mike just terrifying. Mike would hate
1: that. Different Mike. Your husband <laughs> Mike would
0: yeah. hate that. I know. Having another Mike on this podcast. I know. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like either a flying animal... A flying animal's probably the best. Go with, like, a hawk. Fulfill my... My animorph streams.
1: Okay, well, let's hear what we the hell we talked about. Mm-hmm. All right, what animal would you want to be half of if you had to be half of an animal?
0: A dolphin. You could. Why? That's the stupidest I answer, Erin. No. I, okay. <laughs> I was a dolphin kid. I always loved. I feel an affinity with dolphins. I want to be half dolphin. I don't care if I can't. I mean, I'll be, be on, on the land. Bottom. I'll be oh, half oh, oh, on the bottom. So I can still breathe. I mean, how is this lady snake out on the bottom? How is she walking? <laughs> living in a cave by herself, that's a her horrible vibe. She
1: never leaves her cave, to apparently. That's true. <laughs> but like, Erin, you can't go on to land, and you can't walk properly. Like, yes, you can swim, but like... Excuse me,
0: these <laughs> are lightning round questions. I'm not <laughs> taking comments from the gallery. Either. I would be cute, that's why. Dolphins are cute, and I'd be all rubbery. <laughs> if there was a battle going on on land, because in this scenario, you are in mythology, right? You'd be like calling from the water being like, I'm here to help you if you need it, <laughs> not to do you not anything. we throwing seaweed at you. <laughs> but not far, because you are really far away. <laughs> Ooh, you know, okay, maybe my other answer would be it'd be cool to be part bird. Just to have wings, or you have yes, the bird legs? Yes, I don't- wings. no, I don't- <laughs> I don't like birds, um, I'm actually, like, kind of creeped out by them. I got attacked by a crow once. I feel like I'm just <laughs> oversharing all Share my- Sharing your weird, traumas. <laughs> traumas. But I think it'd be cool to have, like, the wings. Yeah, I mean, everyone's yeah. wings. That's oh, not enough. half, though. you be half, so you have like a oh, bird torso. If I was a dolphin, I could do echolocation. That'd be cool. Ever <laughs> since I read, like, the, the fourth Animorphs book, I've mm. been like, I want to be a dolphin. Sorry. That's fair. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was, like, gonna be, like, half.
1: Oh, I actually don't know. Some kind of animal that's fast and strong. Mm, like, like a, a cheetah. Yeah. Ooh. Like, I would be a centaur. That's fair. I feel like that's at least elegant. Cheetah. Yeah, I could be a cheetah, too, as long as I get all four legs. I'm in my head, I'm just, like, mm-hmm. two legs <laughs> like
0: a stupid cheetah. I love that. Jesus Christ. Um, so you fought me on my answer. and Yeah, then I, changed I felt it. And went on a whole to know about crows <laughs> well when you said dolphin I
1: was like I could feel my blood right like boiling a little bit like heart rate rising I knew that that was a stupid answer and mm-hmm. I think that that same passion comes back in a later episode when you said you wanted to be a worm
0: yeah I don't remember
1: what I, the question I, was. was
0: was that in PJO or was that in Heroes of Olympus if it's PJO maybe it'll be one of our rewind questions one day if the show ever gets further.
1: I know. I hope it does. But mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe it'll be, yeah. be a fun rewind question for sure. Yeah.
0: Anyways. I'm glad that we haven't change.
1: changed that much I in the three years. That
0: yeah. That's the, the thing we're learning is that we have very similar answers. Maybe like either slightly more unhinged or slightly less, depending on the day we recorded the vibe. Yeah. Um, okay. So my question is, what architectural landmark would you want as a temple Dedicated to you.
1: Mm. Interesting. So I was thinking about this because I was like, oh, I'd want it to be one of the wonders of the world. But historically speaking, all of the wonders of the world have like a super sad backstory, especially for women. Mm. Like I was like, oh, the Taj Mahal would be amazing. That's like mm. an insane backstory with the, the, the guy who built it essentially Killed his wife because he got her pregnant too many times. And then oh, he Jesus. killed everyone who made Taj Mahal so that they couldn't make it again. And then he died. Wow. In like, a lot of stuff like that. in the pyramids of Giza, like, they're mm. tombs. They're not. Yeah. And they're built to, you know, what we believe is slave labor. So it's just it's a little bit rough. I'm trying to think. Probably something modern. I think it'd be really funny if it was just, like, a local Denny's. We're going to
0: the to the Temple of Manasa and it's just a Denny's. It's
1: just a Denny's like off a highway. It's like it got the vibes of like something really supernatural is going on. But blessed be this Denny's is just the vibe it gives.
0: Mm. I like that answer. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like I don't know that I have a favorite like landmark. I feel like oh, there's this library that I went to. In Prague that I really liked, but I don't remember what it was called. But I love that one. Okay. I found the picture. It's the National Library of the Czech Republic. Oh, it was so pretty. I'll have to show you, send you this picture. It was so cool. Um, I would take a library or something. <gasps> I know what I would want. I think I've talked about this on the podcast. I remember because every time I see this... I think of the podcast because I said it would be my statue that I would send into battle in Kirkland, the little statue of the cow and the dog that people dress up for the holidays. I want that to be my little temple because every time one of Mike's favorite coffee shops is right across the street from there. So we still drive there even though we don't live there anymore. And uh, every time I'm always like, I love that little guy.
1: (laughs) Those little guys.
0: Those little guys. They're Mm -hmm. friends.
1: That's cute. I like how we went very, very small and obscure. Yeah, I feel like that mm-hmm. says a lot about us. We are actually not egotistical at all. Yeah, so we should like get a prize. Girls. Yeah, we should get a yeah. prize for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, ooh, this is a, a one I think we could debate heavily, or we could just have mm-hmm. a simple answer. Which is the best way to travel: a train, a car, or a plane?
0: A train. Why? Why not plane? I hate planes. I hate planes. They're scary uh cars a ton of people get in car wrecks trains you can get around and walk you have more leg room they sometimes have food
1: but like a car you have a lot more control of when you mm. get to stop and where you get to stop it's a lot well, more labor traffic mm. Traf- i don't want to deal with the traffic i think plane is the best way to travel Ugh. Okay, you're fastest. just
0: tossed in there like a little sardine, and people throw up,
1: you throw up.
0: I've never thrown oh, up on have? a plane. <laughs> i <threw laughs> <people up laughs> <action so> here. I'm <laughs> the one throwing up. Yeah, actually. I'm the one throwing
1: up. Actually, no, I haven't thrown up in a little hot bit. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. But mm-hmm. proud of you. I like planes. There's just like there's a bath. I like the bathroom. What? like that there's small. a bathroom i don't like the bathroom i like
0: okay. that there is a bathroom. train
1: bathrooms are not good they're also
0: really small yeah, yeah. I, and
1: i like um that you can if you wanted to stand up and walk around i like that there's free movies and mm-hmm. wi-fi mm-hmm. and you feel like you're going on an adventure rather just chugging along and thinking how much faster a plane would be
0: if you want a plane a train is such an adventure though Cars, nobody likes cars, worst option. Yeah. That's the worst option. I also hate, I hate riding planes, but I I do agree that they're like a very sufficient um, invention.
1: All right. (laughs) I think we could go off on that subject, but I think we already have, we have a long uh, episode, so I won't won't do that test. Oh my god next week is episode five i'm Ooh. so excited like mike was talking about we get
0: Waterworld, and who knows what else we're gonna get because we Tone don't know. love mm-hmm. i hope i've, I've seen hope. i've actually seen like there's stills of that release so it does happen i hope it's next week
1: when we were doing our interviews we got a lot of um, behind the scenes of how mm-hmm. that was constructed so i'm very excited to kind of see that come together
0: mm-hmm. it'll be fun um and just to note on that, our we'll keep y'all posted on our upload schedule for that on on social media, kinda up in the air about like when when we can watch, record, and edit. So we'll keep y'all posted on that.
1: If you wanna read our old outlines, for example, when I go off about echidna and the chimera, (laughs) apparently. Uh, That's all noted down. Like, we have little summaries. We talk to each other on our outlines. Um, We ask questions to each other that we don't ask or talk about. It's really fun to read and it's a great way to... Get a breakdown of each chapter if you don't want to go read Percy Jackson again. Join our Patreon. We're going to be giving that for $3 a month and you get to see them. Just a little incentive for you guys. Yeah.
0: And there will be a link to send us an audio message in the episode description and all the links to the newest Olympian as well.
1: If you want to follow us on social media, we are Camp Half Pod on Instagram. Now we have a TikTok on Twitter and then you can email me at camphathpod at gmail.com if you have any long form questions or
0: just want to chat. Don't forget to rate and review. Wish our podcast a happy third birthday. We're a toddler now. Oh my god.
1: (laughs) We are in the annoying stages of asking a lot of questions and being able to understand free will.
0: Wow. We've never left that stage. Mm -mm. Bye-bye.